game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildey. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm Chris Allen, the co host of the Dynasty Owner's Manual podcast. And I'm Adam Wildey, the other co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And we'll get you started with the foreword. So we've been working on DLF. We actually just came from the show where we take your mailbag questions and we answer them. And we try to answer them with some pretty sweet resources. Next week's show, or this week, by the time you're listening to it, uh, will be on Wednesday again, unless anything crazy happens. And uh, this time we're going to try to take some resources that some of our fellow DLFers have created and actually incorporate them into the question answering. So you're also going to get a little preview of some DLF content that you might not have caught yet. Uh, some of the articles that they've written, some of the podcasts that they've done, will actually ask for some input on those questions. We've also just joined a league, Dynasty Degenerates 4, mm -hmm. which is all podcasters. And guess what podcast is in it? The Debbie Owners Manual Podcast. So shout out to Frank from DHH for putting that together, and uh, we'll probably make that into a show, so that's going to be exciting as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, one, finishing up that draft, because as you were just mentioning, Adam, we have a ton of really sharp analysts and good podcasters like in that group. So I think just from the last, what, it, we just started today, or no, last night rather, started yesterday... And just reading through the DM thread and seeing how people are moving up, moving back, trade negotiations, how how each of the podcast hosts uh, value some of the players and how they're making their moves has been, I think something. I think it's been a good case study and something that I'm hoping more podcasts try and do because once you get enough people together, because now it's it's not just 12 podcasters, it's 24. Because it's the both like the co-hosts that are part of the show, sure. so it's a ton of people that are sitting in the chat talking, going back and forth, and I think it's been really helpful to see how we how we value some of those players. So I'm hoping uh, towards the end of next month we can get uh, Dwight and Andrew back on the show with us, so we can talk about kind of one the 2020 class because we've been seeing them post about. Uh, some of the prospects that we'll be hearing about, I'm sure, like come fall time, but also their strategy that they've uh, they've tried to employ, like when we've been going through the draft. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but speaking of drafts, speaking of dynasty and getting through the season, I mean, we have Casey Kasem back with us here tonight to actually talk about, I mean, her trials and tribulations that she's had to go through in working through her first season uh, of dynasty. And I think it's important as dynasty managers to take a look at 
I mean, not just what we're going to be going through, like in terms of drafting the 2019 class, having to deal with the value of 2020 picks, but also look at some of the previous lessons that we've learned going through the previous seasons. So I think it's very important to have that perspective. And Casey, I mean, that's why we have you here tonight to teach us, I mean, and tell us what you've learned so far. So, I mean, just getting right into it, how do you feel about Dynasty now that you've spent uh, a full year uh, in, quote unquote, immersed in the community and you know, sat through a league. And I mean, how did you do? How do you feel about it now? Well, <laughs> I thought I felt good about it. <laughs> then I, uh, so there was a little bit of a shakeup where I'm not in that league that I was in last season just because mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of branch out from there. Um, so I am in four leagues now with big dogs, as you guys are all big dogs. Um, so I'm not used to that because, you know, I was playing with a bunch of guys who had never played before. So we were kind of all on the same level of knowledge and everything else. So it's uh, it's kind of like relearning, I guess you could say. <laughs> I mean, that's the best part, I think, when it comes to just learning Dynasty is that uh, once you... Uh, once you join a league or when you move to other leagues, it's very much like while the concepts of either trading, drafting, and all that stays the same, but it really is about the people. And once you find a group of 12, or in the case that we were just discussing, uh, 24 people uh, that you can really vibe with and you just love chatting with in general, I mean, the league is just uh, playing Dynasty with them is really just a byproduct of the friendships and the communication that you have with them almost on a daily basis. So I'm definitely with you there. I mean, so what format have you been playing or what uh, what format are you a part of now in this league, uh, the four leagues that you're in now? Um, I'm doing... Uh, one best ball league that I took over um, that Russ is putting on. Um, and then I am in three startups. You know, they're basically all um, similar rules uh, with, a, you know, half point PPR, full point um, tight end premium, uh, super flex, which is different than what I was doing last season. So, uh, but it's, you know, similar to some of the um, redraft leagues that I've been in, like the setup and everything. So at least I have that to go off of. Yeah, for sure. And I guess just to talk about that a bit more, because Adam and I, we were just talking about a Superflex leagues so like on the DLF mailbag show, and that's one of our favorite formats. But what, what do you think about the format? Because it's now becoming a bit more popular. A lot of people like the uh, different draft formats with people taking quarterbacks early. So what, what do you think about Superflex? I, I do like it. Um actually want to implement it in my home league. That's a redraft league, but um, we were talking about it last last year anyway because okay. just adding that little extra wrinkle. Yeah. Um, but as for Dynasty, yeah, it's real cool to see how the draft um, plays out, um, how Kyler, you know, in the rookie drafts has been going like crazy at number mm-hmm. one. And just, you know, the value of even these guys that, you know, aren't going to be first-year starters or guys that you're not sure you're even going to get any playing time. Um, backup quarterbacks, um, you know, just to see those guys fly off the board. It's really interesting, um, a whole different ball game than what you're used to if you don't play Superflex. Yeah, fortunately, Kyler came in and saved the day because we didn't have a consensus one-on-one for a while. And mm-hmm. then Kyler goes first overall, and we've got that easy one-on-one. I don't think anyone's picking anyone but Kyler one uh, at one-on-one in Superflex. So 
Dynasty, the, the thing is the age thing, right? You come into Dynasty, and it's like, you've never looked at player ages. And in Redraft, it doesn't matter that Demarius Thomas is 39 years old. Um, <laughs> so now now it does matter to some. Some are age agnostic. Um, when you hear the term windows, how many, how many years are you looking out? At, and are you kind of trying to pair your ages together to create your roster? Yeah, last year I had a real hard time with the whole age thing. I wasn't sure should I take more, you know, younger guys? Should I do the older vets? Um, and I don't think that you can get away from the age thing in Dynasty. So it's it's going to come up no matter what. Um, for me, I don't. I'm still learning about the window exactly what I I want to look at. I don't want to look and draft a bunch of guys that are, I know are going to retire in the next year or two, or mm-hmm. guys who have you know, quarterbacks who, you know, maybe retire. We don't know, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. know. So it's, it's interesting to try to kind of get a grip on that. A lot of the guys that I have been drafting are guys that have been in the league for at least a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just scared. I don't know if this is just a thing being new to dynasty about drafting older guys is how hard it would be to move those guys for Mm -hmm. a reasonable price. Um, Last year I had, uh, Doug Baldwin and couldn't get him. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get yeah. him to move yeah. for anything. And so, uh, good luck to the guy who took over uh, <laughs> that league for me. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's a lot more thinking, a lot more. Like you said, you're you're not going to draft a guy that's 39 years old. You know, <laughs> and and, <laughs> and it. Not not where you would draft him in in redraft at least. Yeah. Right, and so the thing becomes: not only do you get these younger players, but you also need your team firing at all cylinders at the same time. So then you have to start looking at those um, historical age hit rates, and you know the numbers get thrown around a lot. But it's last time I checked, twenty four for running back, twenty seven for wide receiver. So then it's like, you know, do I go get Calvin Ridley? Well, then after I have Calvin Ridley. Um, and have Julio Jones, you know, are they going to hit at the same time? So it is a huge dynamic that you have to start to factor in. Now, you mentioned wide receivers moving on from quarterbacks, staying in the league but moving on from quarterbacks, and we talked about this a little before the show. Uh, We can all weigh in on this, but how do you look at your tiers? Um, Let's keep it with the top tier because that's the easiest to discuss. How do you look at the tiers and say – I'm going to knock this player or I'm going to boost this player because of their quarterback situation. Um, you know, there's a lot of those guys that you just know. It doesn't matter who they have as quarterback. They're going to still produce for you. Like, mm-hmm. like Hopkins, you know, like he had 400 different quarterbacks, but he still managed to produce on a consistent basis. Yep. Um, I mean, there are those situations that don't work out and it's really sad to see that happen, but I tend to not look at that kind of stuff. Hopefully, you know, it'll work out and everyone's, you know, in our favor. If we Mm -hmm. have some guy like that where their uh, quarterback retires and some new guy steps in to try to fill in that role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think at least for for me, I'm I'm a little bit uh, less risk averse than most people when it comes to drafting wide receivers. But of course, I I guess I do try and live by the tenant that like talent will win out. So... Mm -hmm. If you do have a wide receiver, a good, like an elite wide receiver attached to also a good slash elite uh, quarterback, 
it's hard to balance that situation and try and project what that offense is going to look like once that quarterback retires. So like we were talking about uh, before, uh, before the show started, what are we supposed to do with Michael Thomas if Drew Brees winds up uh, retiring within the next couple of years? What are we supposed to do with Juju Smith-Schuster when Ben retires, Nikhil Harry when Tom Brady retires? I mean, how do you how do you value some of those players once they're detached from the elite quarterback that they're currently catching passes from, or at least in Nikhil's uh, in Nikhil's case, the, the quarterback he will be catching passes from in the regular season? I tried to start that conversation last year. What's the difference between Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas? And now we see Devontae Adams going before Michael Thomas. And I think that's – if you look at the two players, you can't really you can't really put a big difference between the two of them. They're, they're very similar statistically, um, very similar in market share. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to move towards the slot a little bit more this year, apparently. So that's going to kind of put him on even playing field with Michael Thomas. So what's the difference? Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play more years with, than Drew Brees. And I think people are looking at, at that. And and the Dynasty Degenerates did, did 4 League, he went before Michael Thomas. First time I'd ever seen it, but I did bring up the conversation last year. Why is Devontae Adams uh, three wide receivers behind Michael Thomas at the time? And, you know, quarterback matters so we brought up earlier do do we even have any situations we can point to where the quarterback left and the wide receiver wasn't successful i can tell you now we haven't seen michael thomas without drew Brees yet but the way michael thomas wins he's going to be successful with any quarterback because he gets optimal separation for for his size it's very impressive how much separation he's able to create for his size and he's got very strong hands he catches away from his body so he's not really going to have trouble with any quarterback but you might see juju have a little more trouble because it seems like that's more chemistry related so i mean we mentioned des that was one we were able to come up with with tony romo leaving um, we mentioned Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders, but it doesn't happen as often as you would think for the amount that we worry about that. Yeah, and I think the one point that I do want to stress is that I know a lot of folks look at splits with and without players. I believe Rotoviz they have an app that can wind up calculating like how players perform when a player is with them, when a player is without them, and, and things of that nature. And so I think what most people would want to try and do is say that, well, if you wanted to look at Juju Smith-Schuster's statistics with and without Ben Roethlisberger, because you know he's bound to miss one or two games, uh, then come play superhero and come back in the third game when he's supposed to be out like an entire season, something like that. But the point is that you would want to try and use an app like what Rotoviz has in order to do that, but I think my issue with trying to use the injury situations to make that case is that teams or the the offense only has a short window in order to prepare obviously these are not things that they have they've actually planned for so using injury situations i think is a little bit different than saying well this is your new starting quarterback for the entire season they wouldn't have had the off season in order to gain rapport figure out timing windows and things of that nature so really without having a you know, exact or even comparable situation to prepare for. I, I really don't know how you can make the how you can make the case or project how a receiver is going to perform once their prolific quarterback leaves. So I think I think really the only thing you have to fall back on is how the receiver operates on the field. And if we know for a fact that 
the elite wide receivers again, the Michael Thomases, the Juju Smith-Schusters, um, even, I mean, I guess beforehand, if Odell was still with the New York Giants, what that falloff would be once they got rid of Eli Manning, then sure, we, we would say that the talent should win out. But it's, again, it's just one of those murky situations that it's hard to, it's easy to, excite, to assign risk to it, but it's really hard to justify once you're questioned about it. Yeah, so now we're talking about age with quarterback, and let's talk about ages with all of the players. I mean, we mentioned how um, it's very difficult to kind of grasp the age thing. So, Casey, do you think that there's any edge to be had, whether you draft mostly old, mostly young, especially in startups and dynasty? I think it's positional. Um, I think that, you know, your wide receivers, older wide receivers, for instance, can hit. Um, you've seen the productivity throughout the years with those guys. You know, we talked about how they hit at an older age than a running back does. So when it comes to running back, I think that it's it's important to at least have that youth when it comes to that position because it's such a fickle position already as it is, and you want to you may hit, you may miss, especially with these rookies, but having that youth there. Um, and when it comes to tight end, it's like it takes them usually a few years to actually get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that there's a nice a nice mix there um, where the running back probably is where you should focus your, you know, youth identity, I guess, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't really know what I'm doing, but that's just how I feel about it right now. It may change <laughs> in the next couple of years, but, you know, for this this moment in time, that's how I feel. I feel pretty much the same way. I mean, you pretty much described how I, I say it all the time. I like my wide receivers old and my running backs rookies. <laughs> that's my favorite saying. And when the rookie said, I'm going to trade them for more rookies. And then when those rookies said, I'm going to trade them for more rookies, I'm just going to keep taking Josh Jacobs and what I thought Darius Geis would have been. But that kind of leads Darius to Geis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to slide them in every, every episode. So that leads to kind of making mistakes because – in redraft, you make mistakes, and it's like, well, I didn't win this year. Try again next year. You're stuck in Dynasty. You are not going anywhere. You're going to look at that horrible roster, and you're going to get depressed every time, and I've got a few of those. So do you find yourself less risk-adverse in Dynasty now that you have to kind of reap what you sow a little bit longer? Yeah, I think uh, I've even this just this year, I've only done two um, startup drafts, but the first one I totally bombed on. I didn't know what I was doing Um, with dynasty origins. When we did it, rookies were just mixed in. uh, And then I'm not used to the whole picks being, you know, rookie picks being in there. Uh, Also not used to trading because we didn't do a lot of that. So uh, in the trade addicts league, I made a a lot of really stupid (laughs) trades where people were like sliding into my DMS to tell me like, yeah, you probably should have done that. Um, I'm just, but you know what? I'm going to come back and, and <laughs> you'll take over the whole league next year. We'll figure it out. It. We'll figure it out. It happens. Um, at least, at least I know that there, there's always a surprise or two. So if you're in a situation like that, I guess to shoot for the stars and cross your fingers. <laughs> Casey, let me make you feel better about your startup trade because this happened, <laughs> this happened to me this year. This was J Mike. My goodness. I will not let this go leave that um, man alone you know he can beat you up 
<laughs> he definitely can be because <laughs> he's the most amazing dude we know in this community. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to say is he absolutely destroyed me. And I'm, it's everyone else in the league's fault. It's not mine whatsoever. So I took the one at one. I took Kyler Murray. I went pretty much zero quarterback until Kyler Murray. I mean, he was my only quarterback. So I traded up for Geis after I took Lev Bell at 402. And then Geis was still sitting there. And I was debating me to between the two and you know i have to have darius guys so my trade for darius guys became the 102 a 2021st and a 193rd for darius guys um he could have taken josh jacobs and a lot of people are taking jacobs over guys right now he took nikhil um so he got nikhil harry a 2021st and a 193rd and i got darius guys and that's because it was a startup and you're trading for picks that have not mm-hmm. happened yet right. so when i traded and I drafted the 101. I'm thinking, okay, I just took the 101 in the fourth, late fourth. I just took the 101 in the late fourth. I'm thinking that picks are going to run now. At least the the one through the five are going to run now because mm-hmm. the one through the five is the big teardrop in Superflex. And they just did it. So he ended up getting the 102 two rounds after the 101. And I'm just. <sighs> Oh my uh, goodness! And you know, I got Darius Geis, but I'm gonna look at Nikhil Harry, the 2021st. Hopefully, it's not early. I'm gonna try my tail off so that that pick is not early. But hey, I've been doing it for <laughs> maybe maybe nine years now, and you still can't get startups right. And I pride myself on startups because I think that snake drafts are easily exploitable. And I, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. I can't draft for everyone else, you know. Well, I like how you remembered uh, who you traded and what happened because I try to block that out when <coughs> Jake Anderson <coughs> just blocked it out. I have no clue what I did. So <laughs> I blocked out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always an excuse that you could use. Like you know, you got you got hacked or something like that. You know, something yeah, I was over. really tired. Yeah, you know, over a little bit. There's uh, nothing wrong with that. It was before. Wedding. I was really focused on that. Exactly. So many excuses. Just got yeah. a puppy. There's a yeah. lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, all yeah. those things. But no, I would actually, I'd wholeheartedly agree with that because I wound up in a similar situation uh, this past, actually, uh, maybe just a couple months ago, in uh, Cartoon Do Gooders uh, Two with Russ and uh, Debro. And I think Aton's in it. I mean, we've got a number of folks, uh, Shane Swagger, like a whole bunch of guys like that are in this. And uh, we're doing the we're doing the draft, and the <clears throat> rookie picks are a part of the startup draft. And so, since people are going through, they're making their picks. I mean, I'm I'm focused on uh, veterans. I mean, because that's all I see. And I did not catch on to the fact that you were also allowed to draft your rookie picks along with everybody else. So I'm going through making my picks, no. thinking my roster is looking great. And then it was around the fifth round or so. In the fifth round, I take Aaron Jones at, it was like 507 or something like that. 507 is about where I took Aaron Jones. And then right after that, then uh, I see on the draft update, because I get the emails where I go in and see 2019 rookie 101 taken in the beginning of the sixth round. I was like, wait. Oh, my goodness. I was like, wait, what? Oh, oh my goodness. So Man. basically, I wound up taking Aaron Jones over what turned into be, if I'm not mistaken, uh, whoever wound up picking him up, 
I forget who. I think he wound up drafting Kyler at the one on one. Yeah, he took Kyler at the one on one. So I took Aaron oh, Jones uh, yes. before the, before Kyler Murray. Hopefully he starts, man. Yeah. <laughs> This feels like a nice dynasty therapy session. You gotta feel a lot better now. Yeah, so you just gotta put that stuff out there, man. It's uh, just you gotta let people know that hey, we all make mistakes. You yeah. learn as mm-hmm. you go along, and it's really you know it's really about the league itself and like the people that you talk to and all that. Because you know mm-hmm. they will make fun of you, but I'm sure they will wind up making the same bonehead mistakes. Maybe but, hopefully yeah. later on. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've heard so many from people. I think they're just trying to make me feel good. But you know, <laughs> I, appre- I appreciate it. You know, and and for the people who haven't played Dynasty before, that was one of my major things before starting Dynasty was that I was going to screw everything up. Hey, just you go. jump into it and yeah. hope for the best. And if you screw up, everybody else has those moments. Too. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much it's very similar to podcasting. I mean, once you do your very first show, I mean, nobody likes the way that they sound. Nobody likes the way that they perform on their very first podcast. But after you get into it, you do a few more, then it becomes routine. You know sure. a little bit more nuance and all that, and it just becomes easier. Same thing with Dynasty. Once you start doing it more, you start talking to people more about tips, tricks, and you know, of the trade and all that, it becomes a little bit easier. The motions become a little bit more fluid, and you're not like asking a ton of questions, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. I mean, of course, that's why the community is here, right? We're, we're here mm-hmm. to answer each other's questions. We're here to try and point each other in the right direction. So... We're always here to help each other out, but of course, we're, we're always going to make mistakes, and that's okay. And that's I game. Think the big, the big takeaway is to, to don't be afraid to keep trading. Yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. so. You don't bet yourself out of a hole, but you definitely trade yourself out of a hole because as soon as you make that terrible trade, it's like, oh my goodness, I have to fix this. Yeah. I, can't, I can't look at this anymore. So you got to make more trades. You can't just um, see that terrible trade and just say, you know what, I'm not going to trade anymore because then you're going to have a bad team and you made a bad trade. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then so, maybe just don't put the trades out on Twitter. Just keep, we'll just keep those in the DMs. Yeah, yes. We'll just I, I've yeah. learned that the hard way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Twitter, really I'm yet to see a trade where somebody winds up not getting roasted. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen oh, a trade God. where people have been like, you know what, that's fair for both sides. I congratulate to both of you guys because you guys both made a wonderful trade. It was great. But that never happens on Twitter. Never happens. No. Yeah. Me and Russ try to pride ourselves on those fair trades. I, I get on most of the time on the polls, but <laughs> y- usually they're pretty fair. But in talking to people in the community, and we're all in the same the same group chat on Twitter. There's about fifty of us in there, and constant interaction. Has any of that interaction changed your mind about any players, especially players that you might not have liked as much in in redraft? Um, just inter- yeah, interaction in general. I know some people are anti poll or whatever, like this guy versus this guy or this guy. Where would you take this guy, or what would you give up to get this guy? Um, I saw a poll that had to do with, and this is going to sound Homer-ish, but I don't like this guy in, like, <laughs> regular football terms. But Dak Prescott, I think he's an asset when it comes to Dynasty, especially in Superflex leagues. Um, and I saw a poll last season uh, that had him, I don't exactly remember what it was, but I was like, holy crud, you know, like, <laughs> that's all people are like. So whoever had Dak in that league, I went ahead and, and threw that offer out and they immediately accepted it. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good with that. So, you know, that cha- it changed my mind just seeing the, what the like feelers on certain guys are like, if I value a guy a little bit more than 
this guy values that guy. I'm mm. going to go ahead and uh, try to test the waters. And if, what's the worst he could say? No. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've learned that a lot too. Like at first I was kind of, I, I know I'm going off topic a little bit, but at first I was kind of hesitant to even mm. like put, you know, trades out there to try to like see what somebody was thinking or whatever, try to have a conversation about that. But now I'm like, whatever, you know, I've had mm-hmm. plenty of trade offers come my way that I thought were complete crap. And so if I put one out that they think is complete crap, well, you know, that's the only way you're going to get things done is to like have that communication back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that you can always ask for a counter mm-hmm. or, or, um, you know, if, if you felt well, if you felt it was fair in a certain way, I I can definitely get offended when I try to put a good trade together because I know that I'm trying to make the best trade for mm-hmm. both of us because I wholeheartedly believe that it makes it easier in the future and yeah. it's worked time and time again. Like um, for example, me and Russ trade very quickly now because we've made very many fair trades. So that's what I try to do. So it's easy to get offended. When you mm-hmm. when you tried to put a good trade out, but you have to remember, people get hammered with bad trades. If mm-hmm. you're in if you're in eight to ten leagues, you're gonna get a bad trade offer probably <laughs> once a day. So mm-hmm. we have to look at it from the other side and understand that those people are probably getting terrible trade offers all the time. And it's usually as easy as coming across like, "Hey, I wasn't trying to send you a terrible trade, but this is how I value this player." Uh-huh. Is there somebody else on my roster that you might like? Because obviously you hate this guy. So, <laughs> I mean, that happens a lot. I had to. I used to get offended so much just um, because I, I thought, why wouldn't you accept this? Take my trade. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, right. Come on. <laughs> it helps both of us. Yeah. It's uh, – yeah. There's cert- there's a couple of guys that I've been doing like back and forth, counter, 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 and we finally mm-hmm. come to you. Like, oh, I didn't know you were so high on guys. You know, that was one of the guys that I just traded away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have to give me what I want, and if you don't want to, that's fine. We can try something else. That's the hard one, though. That's the hard one, having a podcast and being on Twitter. Because yeah. You get these trade offers in every league that I don't have guys, I get trade offers sent to me guys, but they want everything. It's, and it's usually something along the lines of, I just listened to your podcast about guys, wink, wink. And it's like, okay, uh, but I'm not going to pay him for him. I will buy him for sure. And I will buy him for fair price, but there's yeah. nothing that you can do to make me overpay for a player, whether I, whether I'm in love with them or not, unless I think that they're more valuable than current ADP, mm-hmm. you know? If that's the case, maybe you do pay a little extra to get your guy, but that's because you think you're stealing, and that's okay. Guys, his ADP, he's not a good example because it hasn't changed, really. <laughs> no, De- it hasn't. On the, be, since the injury, it doesn't change. And we did, a, we did a segment about this. I wish I remembered who it was with, but injured running backs don't change that much. Dalvin didn't change much. DJ didn't change much. But Odell Beckham used to be the 102-103. He got injured. He had some some situations, changing team. Now we get him at 111. Yeah, I'll pay 111 price for him, whatever that is in trade value, because I think that he'll probably get back in the 103, 104 range. That's okay to overpay then, but I'm not a big fan of going after people and saying, hey, I know this is your guy. Give me everything for him. And I guess for for me, when it comes to players that I've had like my mind changed on, 
this is this is difficult for me. Um, <laughs> I don't even want Adam on the call right now for me to admit this. If we're going to be quite honest, but um, I'm just not as high on Jarek McKinnon anymore. It, this it actually it pains me to say it, but just too many too many things have happened. Uh, while yeah, it, you know he he came in with a lot of money, but they've also brought in Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. Even though he tore his pec uh, yesterday lifting weights, he's still there. Raheem Oster is there. Kyle Shanahan has said that they want to involve all of those running backs. I mean, it's just not the same anymore. I I just can't. I can't. I don't have the same love for the player that I did last year when I was proclaiming to Adam that Jarek McKinnon mm. was going to have a better season than Darius Geis. And even though we both wound up being wrong, um, <laughs> I would still say that Darius Geis, his outlook is much brighter. Even with Bryce Love there, I'd say his outlook is much greater than uh, than McKinnon's at this point. So I am... Yeah, that this, this is really tough for me. I'm probably going to edit this part out. Um, this never happened at all. This has been a very therapeutic episode, especially for me, just so that you know. I, like I hate you. <laughs> this is the worst. Get out uh, all your feelings. I know. Okay. This is just this is a big just woosah-like type of, type of episode here that we've got going on tonight. But when it comes to, I guess when it comes to players, I mean, but also when we're constructing our rosters, we also want to look at the full roster construction and do you have a position that you typically like to lean on do you try do you find yourself drafting more running backs more wide receivers do you are you really big into tight ends i think that'd be a that'd be different uh but i mean is there a position that you find yourself drafting quite a bit whenever you're putting your teams together yeah so i am really big into tight ends um but uh I'm so so on how that's been uh, with my roster construction. I get a couple of like really good guys, but I know at the same time I'm only going to be able to start you know this many. So uh, I think running back is probably the go-to when it comes to drafting, and I I don't think that I even consciously do it. I think it's just one of those things where it's like just like second nature, I guess, to draft a running back, and because there are so there's so many wide receivers that are in that same kind of tier, that same kind of level, and when it comes to a Running backs, there's a big drop off when you reach a certain point. So sometimes you get lucky with like a Philip Lindsay or something like that, where a guy hits. Uh, so why not try to have a couple of those guys on your roster and hope for the best when it comes to that? Yeah, for sure. And I think this year, like while we have, so what is it? Essentially three big running backs. I mean, you've got Jacobs, you've got Sanders, and you've got Montgomery. Uh, in that order, by the way, because uh, David Montgomery <laughs> goes last. But still, uh, when it comes to, I see Adam shaking his head, but no, you're on mute right now, so I'm talking. Uh, regardless, <laughs> I mean, there are still a t- like a, quite a few running backs that are going in the second round and the third round that, that once, if they were to hit, you can see a path to work, a path to touches for them. That is viable even for the 2019 season, if not for the 2020 season. So as we were talking about beforehand, so the Bryce Loves of the world, the Dexter Williams of the world, of the world, uh, Divine, uh, Divine Ozigbo, if I'm saying oh, yeah. that name that name correctly. Uh, so some of the, the players in that ilk, uh, Raquel Armstead, Alexander Madison, I mean, guys of that nature, where you can see a path to touches, if not in 2019, should 
something befall one of the primary running backs of the teams that they landed mm-hmm. on. Uh, but in 2020, uh, depending on who comes out and where some of the running backs that are slated to come out uh, wind up falling. But we can see some value for some of those guys. So they could hit. And I think they're worth looking at instead of focusing on the, the big three, like as, a, as I just mentioned. So, yeah, of course. I mean, if that is the uh, position that you find yourself leaning on, you <clears throat> want to try and at least take your shots at the beginning of the draft if you can capture one of those big three but then look into some of those guys that you that you uh that you're talking about so that you can wind up hitting on the 2019 philip Lindsay, if at all possible i mean and like you you said armstead and love and i'm in a startup right now and i have both of those guys Uh, i traded up to get henderson because you know i like him but also you know if you're a girly owner uh kind of have to yeah, you kind of have to. So I traded up with my man, J. Mike, uh, <laughs> to get up to the 201 so I could take him there. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, you got to think about the situations where, like, guys get injured, you know, or where guys are getting older or whatever. And, or, you know, guys are going to be in the Alvin Kamara role or whatever. Just kind of collect them and then whatever, you know, somebody else might want one if, mm-hmm. if you're not feeling them mm-hmm. because of the youth. Yeah, and hopefully Malcolm Brown doesn't end up being the backup. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I I can't wait until I can't wait until preseason. Yeah, I think that's really when Twitter is going to be on fire because everybody's going to be looking to see what Where Todd Gurley's doing, like how. And once Henderson hits the field in preseason, oh man, you're going to see if his, if his ADP isn't out of control by then, the second yeah. preseason hits, it's going to definitely be out of control. I hate having to be the person that keeps mm. mentioning that because nobody wants to think about the fact that they matched Malcolm Brown's offer sheet <laughs> and then said that they picture Henderson in a Lance Dunbar role. Like, why did you say that? Yeah. What role did Lance Dunbar have? Like, where did he? Why? So <laughs> the went back extraordinaire. I hate having to be the person that mentions that, but every time someone's like handcuff. Early with Daryl Henderson, I'm like, what about Malcolm Brown? Yeah. But anyways, I've been I've been very anti girly Not that I don't love the player and the dude think he's an awesome guy, but mm-hmm. different conversation. Tyler Gee's episode is the one that we had the discussion. Oh uh, yes, episode ten, hey. and that was September seventeenth. Dalvin Cook was the RB eleven. By December seventeen, he was the RB seven. He jumped up four spots while injured. <laughs> Wow. David Johnson Johnson got injured as the RB3 in August of 17. He came back as the RB2 in November of 17. So those running backs hold that value for some reason, and that's why Derek Mm. didn't come as a discount. Okay. Now that actually does make some sense. Okay. Thank you, Casey, so much for sitting down with us tonight. We know that, I mean, we've been, if anybody has been following Casey, we we know that you've had a pretty pretty extravagant uh, life event happen mm-hmm. over these past oh, yeah. uh, past few weeks so definitely yeah. congratulations to you on that thank you very much but the reason i'm hope- on your podcast tonight is because she's out of town so. exactly so we were able to sneak you <laughs> well, in like real quick me. so i'm not trying to get you in trouble but we need to get you on out of here tonight but before we do mm-hmm. i want to let give you a chance to at least tell the folks like either what content you might be trying to uh, work on during this off season or the non-point scoring uh, season shout out to russ but if not if not that, then what other leagues are you getting into? Uh, tell the folks how they can find you. I mean, what can we look and what can we expect from Casey Kasem during the summertime? 
Write it down. Okay, uh, first and foremost, you can find me on Twitter at the Casey Kasem. It's K-A-C-E-Y-K-A-S-E-M, like the DJ. Um, and I write for Fighting Chance Fantasy. Right now, I've been doing a little bit of redraft content just because I don't want to put out anything on Dynasty too much until I actually like get my feet really wet. Um, but I had been writing about my experiences in Dynasty. I only put out two articles on that, but I think I want to put another one out just to get the more people interested in it um, that haven't that are kind of scared to like get involved. I've got a lot of people that have contacted me that are like, "Hey, it's pretty cool being able to hear you talk or read about." you know, your experiences because I've been kind of shy when it comes to joining a dynasty league. So that's something I'm thinking about writing more about just to kind of help others out when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, like I said, I am in one of those cartoon do-gooder leagues like Chris was talking about. Uh, so I got that going and uh, should be in a John Bosch league that makes me want to pull my hair out a little bit because it looks crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but luckily there are people in that league that I think are in the same boat as me, so... It gives me a little bit of confidence. That... If it's a boss league, <laughs> nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fine. Last Except year, I was yeah. one, and I told John, hey, I told you I would be in your league, but I was drunk when I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> now that I sobered up, I have no clue if you're writing in English when I look yeah. at the bylaws. So. <laughs> but this year, I decided, okay, I'll, just, I'll bite the bullet and do it. Mm-hmm. Why not? We None of us have any, any clue. <laughs> John. Knows what he's doing in his league. That's it. Yeah, that's he's the only one that knows. Right, yep. Adam, do we got anything for the folks before we get on out of here tonight? Yes, catch us on Wednesday nights for the Dynasty Mailbag live for DLF. Um, that'll be roughly eightish EST. Please follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at APWILDE. You can find the handle at Dynasty Manual. You can find us on YouTube either on the Dynasty League Football tw- YouTube. Or you'll find us at Dynasty Pregame. Uh, those are all live. Please like, comment, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. And thanks for coming. Of course. So, yeah, for Casey, for Adam, I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. We thank you all for tuning in, and we'll catch you all next week. Hits, you feel no pain. for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic, D- dynasty, it, it, it's automatic, owner's manual, it, it, it's automatic, D- dynasty, it, it's automatic.